Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for They were in Bible college with me. They were claiming they were going to be a pastor. They were going to start a church. And they were not doing what God's word said. All the guys that went to do this, to start this church, you know what they did? Every one of them got under some kind of pressure that they didn't know what to do about it. And they all quit. They had a church for like cotton candy. It tastes good for a second and it dissolves and it's gone. And they quit. And today, they're angry at God, they're angry at churches, and these same people, they did everything they could to try to stop me from becoming a pastor because they had no drive. They thought I should have no drive. I went to Bible college with people that tried to stop me from doing what I'm doing right now. They had no drive. They said, well, if I couldn't do it, then you won't do it either. I'm like, hey, you didn't call me. God did. And so for the record, um, I have never claimed to be the one that I did it. Like, here I am. I'm the pastor. I did it. I've never claimed that. I, I don't know what I'm doing, to be honest. I'm like Ezra. Lord God, I don't know what to do. If you're being blessed in here today, I'm not doing it. You know what's doing it? You hearing the word of God is what's doing it. That's it. I'm just the mouthpiece. I've never claimed to be the one that did it. Now, there's been a lot of times I found myself in the same place that Ezra is in, just a man that didn't know what to do, except throw himself down to the mercy of God saying, oh, God, help me. I was like that this morning. There's a lot of things going down in here today. I could either lose my mind and go crazy and go, oh, gosh, I can't do this anymore. I could say, God, I'm just going to have to throw it in your lap. I can't do this. So God, take over. I'll go do my part. And here I am preaching. The things that are going on are still going on. I've turned it over to the Lord. You know, there are days when that's all you're going to know what to do is say, Lord God, you're going to have to take over because I cannot figure this out. Ezra 9 verse 8. And now for a little while, grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a peg in his holy place that our God may enlighten our eyes and give us a measure of revival in our bondage. For we were slaves, yet our God did not forsake us in our bondage, but he extended mercy to us in the sight of the kings of Persia to revive us, to repair the house of our God, to rebuild its ruins, and to give us a wall in Judah and Jerusalem. Did I not say somebody finally gets it? He just went over their past hundred some odd years of history of all the trouble they've been going through. And he says, Lord God, we're the ones that did this. But Lord, you're the ones that restored us back. 
All the kings of Persia, they finally one day said, Israel, go home and rebuild your temple. And he's acknowledging, it's not the kings that did this. Lord God, you caused the kings to do this. Friends, what I'm going to tell you is all the opposition we have out there, all the trouble we have out there today, the Lord God can influence their minds to benefit you. You've just got to trust that God can do it. You cannot go out there and fight them. We do not war against them. You put it before the Lord God and let God deal with it. I'm telling you, the minute you try to make something happen on your own, you're just going to mess it up more than it already is. (laughs) I've made a mess of my life. I'll guarantee it's because I tried to fix it. And Ezra now has his, what I call gospel goggles. You know what gospel goggles are? It's when you can see things through Jesus, when you see things through the Lord. He has his gospel goggles. He's looking through spiritual lenses. What all the suffering had done to the people of Israel for all these years. Now, I've had people ask me, if God is so good, if he's so good, then why is there suffering? Why is there suffering if God is so good? Ezra just answered that age-old question. He said, because we're sinners, and sin causes trouble. We're the ones that cause the mess. Don't look at God and go, oh, God, why don't you just fix this? God's like, well, why don't you repent and straighten up? right? We're sinners, and sin causes trouble, and sin ends up causing damage. I always say you can pick your own sins. I want to do that tonight. Yeah, that looks like fun. You can choose your own sins, but you never get to choose the consequences that come along behind it. That is something you don't get to pick. And so this all forces us to see how good God is toward us, because while we're making all the damage, he waits for us to call upon him to deliver us from our trouble. Ezra gets it. We are the ones that caused this mess. We are the ones that put ourselves in this damage. And Lord God, you are so good. You patiently waited, and now you brought us out. Most people, they will curse God to his face for all the bad things that's ever happened to them. But Ezra understood it was the Lord that moved the kings to get them back home to freedom. Ezra is that somebody that finally gets it. (laughs) He finally gets it. Because he knows the Israelites, they could have been killed off. When the Persians took them captive, they could have said, you know what, you're our enemy. We're going to wipe you out. We're going to kill you. The fact that they were not wiped out means that God was showing them grace. Because he said, you left us a remnant. Friends, did you know that because of our sin, God justfully could have wiped us all out? Are you not still here? That means God's waiting for your repentance. He's waiting for your service, your dedication. But what blows Ezra's mind here, that with all of the blessing, he now realizes that he's not so hung up on, God, why were we captives? How dare you? Why did you drag us away? He realized we messed up. That's what the captivity came from, because we are a mess. But you brought us back. He's realizing, man, God, you're blessing us. How many of you, when things are going bad, you don't see the blessing? The first thing you want to do is curse God. You don't see what the good he's doing for you at that time. Ezra 9.10, and now, oh, our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken your commandments, which you commanded by your servants, the prophets, saying, the land which you are entering To possess is an unclean land, with the uncleanness of the peoples of the lands, with their abominations which have filled it from one end to another with their impurity. 
Now, therefore, do not give your daughters as wives for their sons, nor take their daughters to your sons, and never seek their peace or prosperity, that you may be strong and eat the good of the land and leave it as an inheritance to your children forever. Friends, something that's very important that you may want to underline there is never seek their peace. Never seek their prosperity. The world has a lot of supposed answers to peace and prosperity for you. Do this and you'll be okay. Never seek their peace. Never seek their prosperity. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our prosperity. Don't look at it for the world, okay? Ezra confessed their past sins, but here he confessed their present sins. He's covering it all, past and present. And when he said, what can we say after this? What can we say? He's saying, Lord God, we have been so wrong. We have sinned so bad. We have no excuse. We don't even have anything we can say for what we've done. We can't even try to come up with a way to talk around it. What can we say after this? There's no way to justify what we've done. We don't have any way to talk our way out of it. We're just done. What can we say? We're, we're guilty. Ezra is realizing and expressing how bad they've been to recognize how gracious God is to them. You know, you don't realize how gracious God is until you recognize the depth of your sin. God waited on them as they did all these terrible sins. Ezra 9.13, And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great guilt, since you, our God, have punished us less than our iniquities deserve and have given us such deliverance as this, should we again break your commandments and join in marriage with the people committing these abominations? Would you not be angry with us until you had consumed us so that there would be no remnant or survivor? Ezra gets it. And I think the absolute best line you're ever going to find in this entire book is when Ezra said, you have punished us less than our iniquities deserve. That's the best line in the book. You've punished us less than our iniquities deserve. Oh, we've been through 70 years. Oh, it's so terrible. Lord God, that's less than we deserve. And he also expressed, man, what deliverance you have given us to bring us back. All too often, people complain about, why do bad things happen? If God was so good, he'd get rid of this trouble. Those are the complaints from people that do not yet realize that ignoring God's word when they follow the culture's sin, that's what causes us to fall into trouble. We, our sin, that's what brings the trouble. Complaining that God's not fair, that God's mean, that's somebody that doesn't know God's word. That's whiny talk. When you learn to read God's word and, oh, now I get it, he'll knock some of that whine out of you. <laughs> Ezra had come to the conclusion that if God had completely destroyed all of Israel, for the sins they'd committed, then God would have been totally right, and he would have been totally just in doing so. God, the things we've done, you should have wiped us all out, and that would have been fair. You have done so good to us. You have punished us less than our iniquities deserve. Friends, I think it's fair to say from reading God's Word, don't just take my opinion, but according to God's Word, 
sin provokes God's wrath. And God will take his wrath out on sin one way or another. He will either take it out on Jesus Christ in your place, or he will take it out on you. It's going to fall on you or Christ. Make your decision. So he said, Lord, we should be gone. We should be wiped out. We have done such terrible things. There shouldn't even be a remnant of us left over. Friends, this, man, this is a man that understands that the wrath of God is a real thing to be feared. This church does, does not teach God is just being lovey-dovey. God also gets very angry at sin. If God was not angry for sin, he would have never sent Jesus to die in our place. Ezra 9.15, O Lord God of Israel, you are righteous, for we are left as a remnant as it is this day. Here we are before you in our guilt, though no one can stand before you because of this. It's taking all the composure I've got to stand here and still keep going. Passages like this make me want to just fall down. This is powerful. I I almost don't even know how to put this in words what he's saying here. I'm praying that in the Spirit of God, you understand what he's saying. So here's Ezra. He doesn't know what to do except throw himself at God's mercy. He could not ask anyone else what they should do because there's not one person in all of humanity that is worthy to even stand before the utmost righteous God. God's righteousness is so high It is so beyond our understanding. We can never reach it. We can never touch it. We should at least realize that our lack of righteousness makes us unfit to even dare think that we have the right whatsoever to even stand before him. He is completely holy. He is completely almighty. He is completely king. He is completely God. We are sinners. You have no right to stand before him at all. That's what Ezra's saying. And he said, yet here we are. (laughs) He's like, God, why are we even still here? It must be God because you love us. Because you're gracious toward us. So in this chapter... Ezra acknowledged several characteristics of God, and being that they are biblically recorded, that means they're true. (laughs) Ezra's observed that God is kind. God has great anger against sin also. God only, God alone is righteous, because we sure ain't. God is merciful. And I think Ezra teaches us a good way to get right before the Lord here in this book. If we will just follow Ezra's lead, we can realize that we blew it. All of us, we blew the whole thing. We provoked God's anger. We blew it by ignoring God's kindness. We blew our chances where it comes to righteousness because we have no righteousness of our own. And so look at what Ezra did. Realizing he blew and ruined and shot down every opportunity he had to stand before God. He messed it all up. The only card he had left to play was with one attribute of God's character. He had one left trait of God to play on yet, where we still have something to go on. And that last trait is God's mercy. That's the last thing you got. 
All he could do at this point was throw himself to God's mercy. That's all he had left. And friends, that's the only thing we have left to get right with the Lord God. We blew it on everything. We rejected God. We've rejected his word. We have terribly sinned our way out of having any righteousness of our own. We have cursed God's name, though he was kind to us. And we have provoked God's enormous wrath against us. And it's going to take the power of God itself to get most people to finally get it. That God would be just to wipe us off the face of the earth for the offenses we've committed. You can't ask or go ask anybody to help you fix this problem. Nobody has it. Don't seek their peace. Don't seek their prosperity because no one can stand before God. All you have left that you can do is throw yourself down in humility before the mercy of God and say, Lord, I don't know what to do. Help me. It's all you got left. But you know what? It's enough. It's enough. If you have that feeling of humility now, it's because sin put it there. I feel so humiliated for what I did. Good. Because now you can turn to the Lord. Nobody turns to the Lord prideful. Oh, I'm so what? No, you've got to be in humility. God, I blew it. I blew it. I don't know what to do. Don't try to build yourself an alliance of people asking them how they feel about it as a way to get them to see things your way so that you can rally your little group together so that you can feel empowered with all your little friends so that you can strike back at God out of anger. It's not going to work. That's what all these big groups are doing out there. Come join us. Get on our team. God, we're going to do things our way. And they spit in the face of pastors like me. It's not going to work. They're not going to be of any help to you. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. The only thing you can do is in humility, throw it before God. Ezra didn't point at everybody and say, they're the ones doing it. Friends, we're all sinners. We've all done it. I think it's a good idea for us, the believers, to confess to God the sins of our entire nation. Well, I'm not the one that did it, Ray. I'm not. The... We need to be the ones that get it. I think we need to be confessing our entire nation's sins, our world's entire sins, to demonstrate to God, somebody down here gets it. And there are tough days in life when I have no answers. Some people come to me, oh, pastor, thinking I know everything. And some days I don't know. But those days, all I know to do is throw myself to the mercy of God. I don't know what to do about all the ungodly craziness going on in our culture. So what can I do? But I'll tell you, rather than point at them, we're going to confess the sins of our culture before God. Because our culture will not do it. But if God's people won't do it, nobody will do it. You want to bless your nation? Confess their sins with your own. I think we learned that today from Ezra. As a leader, he asked forgiveness on their behalf. Friends, as our faithful leader, Jesus, he asked forgiveness on our behalf. 
Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Ezra said, no one can stand before God because of their sin. Hebrews 4, 16, look at this. Let us therefore come boldly. This is because of what Jesus did. Let us come boldly. Doesn't say crawling on the floor. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in, to help in time of need. Friends, we do not deserve to stand before a holy God, but because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we can stand before the face of God boldly. What a day that's going to be. When I stand before the throne of God and see him, realizing I don't deserve to be here, but because of Jesus, I can. But it took a lot of humility for Ezra to get this. And friends, there's a lot of people, they don't get this. They don't understand this. They don't realize the reason why God hasn't wiped them off the earth is because he's waiting on them to turn to him. Like Ezra saw the Israelites doing, I'm watching a nation march itself right off a cliff. They're walking willingly into bondage of sin. If God destroyed us for our sin, he'd be just. Did you know that if God killed you right now and sent you straight to the flames of hell, he would be right in doing it because I'm a sinner. But he hasn't. He's waiting. It broke God's heart to see us in our sin like Ezra saw the people in their sin. I don't know what to do about the sin of the world, but God knew what to do about the sin of the world, and that's why he sent Jesus to save us. You know this one, but I'm going to read it all through. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Typically, you'll see John 3.16. You won't always see it carried through to 18. It's talking about there's some people that are going to be condemned, and rightfully so. But, friends, you've got the opportunity to give your life to Jesus today. As we close now, I want to ask you, have you really given your life to God? Have you really turned it over? If not, don't worry. Today's the day you can draw a line in the sand and get right. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how big your pile of trouble is. He can deal with every bit of it. He will receive you as we will receive you in this church as well, you can give your life to Jesus and he will take care of every bit of it. The thing you need to do is get on the ground before the Lord God and beg and say, Father, I sinned, I blew it. I have no righteousness and I have no right to even think I should stand before you. Lord God, I don't know what to do. So Lord, I give it to you. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. Thank you for taking my penalty that I should have had. I give it to you. I don't know what to do, but you take over, Lord God. I believe in the Son of God who died in my place. I believe in you, Yeshua. Thank you, Jesus, for taking my penalty. I accept. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that, you just got saved. Today's a new day. Let's follow the Lord God. Amen. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.